This is the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast, where we bring on the experts to teach you the golden nuggets of real estate investing so you can escape the rat race and start living life on your terms. Now, here's your host, Dalen Hazel. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm super pumped for this episode because you're going to hear a great rags to riches story. Dan Bro, our guest, has been on the edge of bankruptcy, and now he is thriving in his real estate business. And we're going to kind of break down how he did that. If you guys are interested in wholesaling, make sure you listen to this one throughout because once Dan went all in on wholesaling, he generated $500,000 in wholesale fees in his first six months. That is absolutely massive. And it brought him out of that deep part of his life almost in bankruptcy, $400,000 in debt. And so if you are you know, maybe down on your luck or you just don't know where to get started or you're just struggling in your business, make sure to listen to this one because he shows exactly how he did it. So with all that being said, I'm going to start the interview. But first, here's today's golden nugget of the day. Today's golden nugget is more about mindset than anything. If you set aside 6, 12, 18 months of your life, these next few months, and you focus all your effort and attention on one thing. You set aside money, you fund that business, you make sacrifices with your time, and you go all in on something, you'll be shocked at what you can do. Dan Bro, our guest today, was able to rise himself up out of massive failure to a complete life turnaround just by focusing on one thing. And that one thing in his case was wholesaling. And like I said, he just blew up his business. And even though he had all those mistakes in his life before, financial mistakes, that is, um, you know, he was able to make something of that and learn from that. And now, you know, nobody thinks about that. They only think about his success. And, and so if you're able to set aside 6, 12, 18 months of your life, maybe even shorter if you really hit the ground running, then you can create massive ripples in your life and set yourself up for future success. So just think about that next time you are considering starting a new venture. Make sure you go all in and not just have, you know, one foot in, one foot out. So I know that's that kind of plugs a lot of people where they're like, well, if this fails, I have my corporate job to go back to or I have, you know, this other business to go back to. No, you need to be fully focused as best as you can in whatever real estate venture you're getting into. And that doesn't mean you can't also have a full-time job on the side. We all have to start from somewhere. But it's it's the mentality of putting all your eggs in that basket and not having a plan B. Because as humans, you know, when we have a plan B, we typically, you know, drift towards that plan B and not focus on our plan A. So make sure you keep that in mind. Just a little tip there, a little nugget. So with all that being said, here is today's interview with wholesaling phenomenon, Dan Bro. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm very excited to have you on because you are uh, an expert wholesaler, and I think you can bring a lot of value to people on the show that are interested in getting started in wholesaling, how you did it, um, some ups and downs, and maybe some sample deals we can go over. But Certainly first, before all that, can you give the listenership a good idea of how you got started in real estate? 
Yeah. So when I first started, you know, like a lot of other people, uh, I was looking at my investment options. I was working a regular W-2 and I was, you know, reading some investment books and uh, wasn't loving my options that I saw in the stock market and, you know, the, the volatility and the, the lack of control um, and just that uncertainty. And so I wanted something that I could have a more active role in discovered real estate investing and started off just while I was working a full-time job, bought a few rentals, um, started doing a few flips. And after that, it was just, you know, I just wanted to build it from there. Right. Yeah. It's the natural progression. Like you start in flips and start in wholesales and maybe get some rentals along there, but pretty soon you find out that you need that active income, you know, you need that cash now money. So you start doing more wholesaling and flipping and it's, it's just a cycle. So obviously you're at the point now where you probably have a team in place. So can you talk about like, we're going to fast forward and, and we'll dive into, you know, the middle of that, but where are you at now? So people can see, you know, wh- where you are now. Yeah. So right now there's a team of nine of us. So we have each department is filled in. I am the, if, if people subscribe to the attraction, uh, the, or the EOS model entrepreneurial operating system. Um, that's how we run our business. So, um, I'm the, the visionary, you know, coming up with all the crazy ideas to move the business forward, work on the big relationships. I also still do some acquisitions. So I'm still in a sales role. I probably only do maybe like 20 to 25% of the sales anymore. I'm working to get out of that role. I still do the sales training. We have two other salespeople. We have a virtual assistant who runs our dispositions team. We have a third-party transaction coordination company who does all our uh, transactions once we have it um, under contract through the closing. Uh, We have our COO. We have leads managers. And then we have um, some virtual assistants who help with all the back-end stuff, the quality control, the, the data, Um, just making sure that we can run a nice tight ship. Yeah. I've heard of that book traction. I need to read it because I'm sure that's directly influenced how you've built your company so far. So great recommendation there. So I, uh, we've done a podcast episode 10. If you go back and listen to it on wholesaling in general, what is it? But today I want to just hone in on like, how do you actually build a company? Because a lot of investors are fly by night type wholesalers. And so we want to have a good name for ourselves. So Specifically, I want to talk about how you built your company, how you got started and so forth. So in the early days of your company, uh, what you obviously probably by yourself. So what were you doing in terms of like marketing, lead generation? Because that's the big focus, right? Starting out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's exactly it. When I first started, it wasn't a business. It was a job. And that's okay. That's where everyone needs to start out. Not everyone has the funds and the processes and the systems to hire a big team. Um, it would be, it would end up with more work and more stress. So you have to start out with just, you start out with yourself. Maybe you have a partner. Um, and you're pretty much doing everything because in order to properly delegate new tasks as they come along and, and put people in different roles, you have to know how to do them yourself. So if you don't know the business like the back of your hand, you're not going to know how to train people, how to maintain quality control. And so when I first started out, I was doing everything. And I used, uh, you know, the 
a lot of the methods that are old school, but they work. Um, so I did bandit signs. I did direct mail. Um, and that, those were my primary two ways. And, and, um, to start out and, you know, that was just because that was all I knew how to do. I didn't know about any of the other methods, really. I didn't know that people did ads online. I didn't, I didn't even know that people did cold calling. Um, you know, I was, I was new to it. I just asked what some other people were doing. I was like, all right, if they're doing that, I'll just do that too. Um, and so that was, that was where I started. That's where, that's where it makes sense to start for a lot of people because bandit signs are cheap and, but they, they do work. Um, depends on the market, but if you're putting them out consistently, you can expect some calls. Um, and then direct mail, it's, it's a great, it's a great method to use, but it does take time. So like what I always tell people is if you're using direct mail, you can't really judge the success of it for like six to 12 months because you'll get calls from postcards or letters that you sent three, four, five, six months ago. And, and now that's affecting your, your ROI, your return on investment for, for that lead generation strategy. So uh, that's what I used uh, when I first started. Yeah, totally. For sure. I do direct mail and I started about three months ago and I probably have not seen the fruits of all of that yet because somebody will hold on to your letter and, and just save it for the rainy day, you know, yeah. type of thing. So uh, when, when somebody's thinking about starting their lead generation, what would you recommend they do? Should they focus on one at a time and master that? Or should they try to open multiple channels? So there's a few different ways to approach it, but it all depends on what do you have more of? Do you have more time or do you have more money? Because if you, if you don't have any money, but you have time, well, then you can go out and you can door knock, you can drive for dollars, you can do stuff like that. If you don't have any time, but you have money, then you can purchase lists. You can hire a cold calling company. You can hire a texting company. You can do any of those things. So that's what I first look at. Um, But you also don't want to launch too many things at once because it can be too much to manage. So I would have more than one as you get going, like you need to give it some time, like give, give every marketing channel at least three months before you give it the boot. Um, give it at least three months. If it's direct mail, give it longer. But for most traditional lead generation sources, you're going to want to give it at least three months to break even. Um, I wouldn't do, if you're just starting out, I wouldn't do more than two to three different lead generation strategies because it can give you too much to manage, but it's not too, it's not too few where you have too much uh, concentration risk and concentration risk is just an easy way to look at is too many eggs in one basket. So, you know, a lot of people, they'll put all their money into texting and then texting gets all these new regulations and it blows up and it like, you know, we have all these issues and the leads die down and then suddenly your business dies too. And so you want to have enough to where you're not so uh, vulnerable to the highs and lows of any one source, but uh, not too many to where it's too much to manage. So I would say to start out, like try two or three, get really good at them, get 
a process down so that you can automate it, you can delegate it, and then you can start to expand. And then from there, you need to be constantly looking at your numbers. Just if the basics of it is how much money are you spending and how much are you getting back? So like you can look at your cost per lead, cost per deal, uh, the, the cycle time, all that stuff that gets a little bit more complex. But if you just want to simplify it down, how much money is going out and how much is coming back from each individual lead source? Yeah, right off the bat, that is the most important metric and it's the easiest one to track or it should be. And um, it doesn't get tracked a lot of time. And so, but some people track, you know, what was my response rate? What was my cost per lead? But at the end of the day, that's all that matters, your return on marketing. How much did I get back when I put that initial investment out? So I also want to talk about, you know, we, we touched on acquisitions. You know, you're out there hustling as, as you start. How did you grow your acquisitions as you got your first few deals? Like what was the first one, two, or three things that you invested your earnings in? So uh, you have to keep investing in marketing because that's the only way you're going to get leads. So whatever, whatever method you're using, you have to keep the leads flowing in. Otherwise you're not going to have a business. Everything flows from the leads. So if you don't have leads, you're not going to get appointments. If you don't have appointments, you're not going to get contracts. If you don't have contracts, you're not going to get any checks. So you have to keep the leads flowing. And then once you're, once you're paying for marketing, you really should invest in a CRM, a, a customer relationship management system. And that's where everything should go. So you shouldn't have all these separate spreadsheets and, and uh, places where you keep your projects. Like everything should be in this one CRM so that you can look at this one place, have all the information you need. You should get one that has automations so that you can have your phone calls go directly into it and they log in so that you don't have to manually record them. Um, Ideally, you can send text messages and emails and make calls through it. Uh, You can track the status of your deals um, so that you're, you're not letting things slip through the cracks. Because that's where a lot of people go wrong is that they start spending money on marketing but then they don't invest in a CRM and they're trying to keep track of everything on a spreadsheet. And once you're getting a bunch of leads in, it's just nearly impossible to keep track of everything and be on top of it on a spreadsheet. You're just going to lose track of things. Things are going to fall through the cracks and you're going to be wasting money. Yeah. I was just nodding my head while you were saying that, because that's exactly what my CRM does. I'm not an affiliate at all, but it's re-simply. Um, it's great. There's no setup needed. Um, and it does all those things. So whatever you use, you have to track it. So track every conversation, you know, write down, do they own a dog? Do they have a brother? Like you need to write down everything about the lead because you can use that to your advantage later in that conversation or during a follow-up. So recording everything about that lead is super key. So Dan, um, you know, a lot of people focus on the acquisitions. We talked about that. So then when you get a deal, how do you maneuver that process? Um, because some, some leads are total laydown leads. They need you that day. Some are three, six, nine month follow-ups, and then some are out will outright reject you. So kind of explain how you handle each of those leads, like a cold, a warm and a hot lead. Yeah. So 
you, you need to have a follow-up system, like no matter what you do, I don't care what it is. You need one, you need something. And so if you're more advanced and you've been doing it longer, you can have all sorts of drip campaigns and text messaging and emails and RVMs and, and different ones for different scenarios. You can get really complex with it, but that takes time. So all you need to do is, so let's say someone says, oh, I'm not ready to sell. Call me back in six months. You probably call them back in like two months, maybe a month and a half, um, because you never know what's going to change in their life. People lose jobs, people move, people pass away, people have tragedies, like all sorts of things can happen. And you just never know when it's going to be the right time for them. And you would rather, it would be better to call them too often than not often enough. So I would rather lose a deal by someone saying, you've called me too many times, don't call me anymore. I would rather lose a deal that way than call someone and they say, oh, I already sold the property. So always follow up with them, set yourself a task. If so, if it's, let's say if this is for a beginner, set yourself a task, set it in your calendar. If you don't have a CRM that does this for you, put it in your calendar to call that person on a specific day. Don't just write it down and forget about it. Like give yourself a process, give yourself some automation, some reminder so that you make sure you do it. Um, so no matter what we follow up with people until either one or two things happen, either they say, stop contacting us, we're not going to sell you ever, or they sell the property. So one of those two scenarios, because it's really a matter of timing. If we've reached out to someone or they've reached out to us and, and there's interest in selling their property, but they're not ready to do it right now, or we don't come to an agreement right now. It's only a matter of time until something changes where we have the opportunity to buy the property. So whether the market goes up and suddenly we can afford their price or something changes in their life where now they need to sell it much more quickly. So no matter what, just like have that in your mind that whether they say no, that is not the last conversation you're going to have. Leave that door open to do business in the future. Yeah. And to put a tangible aspect on this, I, after I've made an offer, I follow up with that person daily, you know, because that's somebody I made an offer on. If it's somebody that, you know, is, is a warm lead, I try to, you know, follow up twice a month. It just depends on their, their level of motivation kind of a thing. Um, but I would always say, like you said, cut that time in half, whatever they told you, if they say, call me in six months, call them in three or even two, like you always want to, um, assume the worst. So assume that something, assume they need you essentially. And uh, cause motivation changes daily, you know, one day they could really need you and one day they could not need you. And, and so that's, those are two things I, I try to do in my wholesaling business. Um, the other thing you, you mentioned also was like setting tasks. So yeah, just tracking, make sure you're keeping up with your tasks. And if you can set it up, if you can set up your day in, in some way where you know exactly what you need to do that day, then you're going to be a lot more structured and get a lot more done for sure. So I also want to talk about, let, let's say you get a deal under contract. How do you go ahead and start disposing of that deal? Because, you know, one buyer may be willing to buy 
it at $5,000 less than another buyer. So how do you find the best possible buyer for your wholesale deals? Yeah. So that all starts with building your buyer's list, which is something that you should constantly be doing. Um, Every single day, you or someone on your team should be building that buyer's list. Because just like you said, what might be a not a deal and something they'd never consider for one person could be a smoking hot deal for someone else. So everyone has different buy criteria. And so really what, what I say is there's only two reasons you don't sell a deal. Either it's a bad deal or your buyer's list isn't big enough. That's, that's really it. So uh, we tier our dispo process. So uh, the first people we send it out to are our top buyers, the ones that we've worked with multiple times. We know they're reliable. They're great to work with. We enjoy working with them. Um, So we send it out to them first. And that group, it's a small group of people. It's only like five or six people on that list. Um, We will call, text, and email them the info. Uh, we send them everything they could possibly need so that they can make a buying decision in as short amount of time as possible. So every time we send out a full video walkthrough of the interior of the property, photos of the interior and exterior, we usually end up with about 70 photos of the property. We zoom in on any, any uh, major areas that need repairs, any issues. Like We don't avoid any of that stuff because they will find out whether you know you show them with photos or not. So we do the full video walkthrough and then a full PDF um, breakdown of the all the stats of the property, the condition of everything, the age of different things, um, what's coming with the property, what's not, if there's anything else they need to know, the anticipated closing date, pretty much giving them everything they could possibly need to know. And what that does is that it decreases the amount of walkthrough requests that we get, which helps us to do deals faster. And the faster you can do a deal, the more healthy your business is. So if it if you can do a deal in 30 days versus 90 days and you get paid the same, well, you're actually getting paid a whole lot more if you can do it in 30 days because there's less hours, there's less just uh, work included. It's It's just much easier. So you want to get the time down as much as possible. And so we do that by providing really good information. And so we tier it out by our best buyers for 24 hours. We'll leave it with them. And then we'll do our next tier where we've probably worked with them a couple of times. We, they're, they're vetted. We know they're good. Um, and then after that, we start blasting it out to social media, Facebook marketplace, Craigslist, or just regular buyers list of anyone who's joined. Um, and so, so we tier it by the people who have provided us the best experience, the most consistent results, um, and then go down from there. No, that's a great thing you do. Um, a good takeaway there. You, you prioritize the buyers that you know, like, and trust and that are good for it. They close well. And so you give them priority, right? Uh, I'm curious when you go ahead and advertise your deals, are you including things like repair costs and ARV or do you leave that due diligence up to the end buyer? I leave that to the end buyer. People have different perspectives on, on that. I see some people mark it out. They'll put what they think the ARV is. They'll put what they think the rehab cost is. I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. The reason that I don't include the rehab estimate is because I don't know their costs. 
if one person goes out and hires a GC to do all their work, their cost is going to be very different than someone who is personally going in themselves and doing the work. I mean, they could have a, a twenty, thirty thousand dollar difference in their rehab costs. Yeah. And so that will change the numbers dramatically. And I also don't know how um, how much they put into the house, like what level of trim they do, you know, how much they're really replacing. Are they going to replace the doors or just paint the doors? Are they going to put in bottom shelf cabinetry or are they going to put in nicer stuff? Are they going to put in laminate or granite? I don't know those things. And so I could give you what I would do, but I am not the same as every one of my buyers. So I leave that out. Yeah, it keeps you, you know, safe and it keeps the end buyer safe. And I think even though they may look at your repair estimate, everyone is so different that they're probably not going to even give much, you know, leeway to it anyway. So they're ultimately your cost is what your contractors are going to charge you, not what the wholesaler says it's going to be. Yeah, great points there. Um, so turning our attention to actually your story, because I think you have an awesome inspirational story about how, you know, from what I could tell, you were on the, the brink of bankruptcy, what you told me, and how you used wholesaling to generate over half a million dollars in fees and, you know, to get you out of that place in life. So can you explain how, what it was like being where you were and then what wholesaling did for you? Man, that was, uh, that was a rough, rough time. I mean, I, I, I can't, imagine, well, I can imagine, but I've never gone through a more stressful time. When everything sort of fell apart, I was barely sleeping. I just couldn't really sleep out of the worry. I was making constant trips to the doctor because I had developed an ulcer. And so like my, my appetite was pretty much gone. I, I couldn't really eat. My stomach was so sensitive. Like, you know, when they say sick to your stomach, yeah. About something like I was literally sick to my stomach. That's when um, I got it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was wondering like, are we going to lose our house? Am I going to uh, like, I, we were selling stuff out of our house. Like we were selling side tables, lamps, I, like, every, like we were selling a lot of stuff. We sold, I sold my truck. I got like a cheap, like $2,000 car. I, I was I liquidated my 401k. I sold my rental properties. I mean, it was beyond stressful. And at that time we also had uh, our daughter was, she was just, uh, she was still an infant, um, at that point. So like had, had a new wife, had a, a new baby, had this like terrible financial situation, wondering if, you know, we'd have to move in with my parents and we were going to lose the house and like start over completely from scratch. And, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, and so, you know, at that point I, I, I had previously worked in the medical device industry as a sales rep had done pretty well. I was fortunate enough at that point to have a, still a really great relationship with my previous employer. And so I was able to get a position back with that company. I said, you know what, at this point I'm done with real estate. It's not worth it. It's too much stress, too much risk. Like it's, it, it's just, it, I don't, I can't do this anymore. Um, I need to provide some stability for my family. And so I was doing that. Everything was going great. COVID hit and everything shut down. 
all, so I was in, I was in surgeries, all, they all stopped. There was nothing. Um, I said, well, I can't do nothing. It's just not an option. And I said, I, I looked at my options and I said, well, real estate has been good to me before. Um, but I can't take the risk right now. I can't go in and, and put all this money into a flip and not know what I'm going to get out of it. And I said, well, all right, I've done wholesaling, but I didn't really like it. The, the, the margins were good, but I didn't like it. And um, so I said, all right, well, there has to be people out there that are doing wholesaling and they're enjoying it. And it's, it's, it's low risk. I don't have to put out a ton of money for it. I don't have to manage contractors. I don't have to do all that. I don't have to, I don't have to manage tenants. I don't have to take their calls late at night. I don't have to do any of that stuff. And so at that point for me, the risk profile made a whole lot of sense. I said, I just need something a little more certain. I need it quicker. Um, I need to, I need to turn it. I need, I need quick money. And so I said, all right, I'm going to try wholesaling, but I need to do it different. I need to do it differently than I was doing it before. So I decided I'm going to, I'm going to make this a real business. I'm going to learn from people who are doing this well. And so that's what I did. I, I went out and I learned from people who were doing it really well. And I turned it into a systematized business. And I just took consistent action. I just daily, nonstop taking some step to move the business forward, to improve the business in some way. And I didn't reinvent the wheel. I didn't try to get all creative and fancy from the get-go. Like that's where so many people make mistakes because they see all these shiny objects out there. You see all the the YouTube videos and the so the posts on social media and the uh, every, there's so much noise out there that it's, it's, hard to know what to do next because you see all these opportunities and you feel like you're missing out on so much if you don't do everything. But what happens when you do that, when you just dabble in this and that, it's like you never really get good at one thing. And so I said, I'm just going to focus on this one thing. I'm just going to wholesale. I'm going to get really good at wholesaling and that's it. And so that's what I did. I set my focus and I decided I'm going to get really good at wholesaling. I'm going to move forward in this because I know it fits my profile. I know it. I'm great at sales and I have a background in marketing and I love business. And this is much more aligned with those things than flipping or owning rentals and managing tenants. And so I went all in on it and I made it into a systematized business and I just took action. And I never knew whether something was going to work or not. You never do. You can plan for days and months and years. You're never going to have any guarantees that anything is going to work. The only thing you can guarantee is that you can take action and that you can adjust when you find out what the results are. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that and being humble enough to share that. So yeah, what you just said, it was crucial. The only thing you can control is your own action or inaction. And so, yeah, when you buckle down and focus on one thing, it, you can accomplish so much. So how did that look like? I mean, because you had that focus and you probably weren't working somewhere else, did you immediately start seeing results from that? Or did it take more time to kind of get out of that hole that you were in? So I started, 
you know, I was very fortunate with my, the company that I was with. They provided me some opportunities to continue to teach and develop some resources for them so that I was still getting paid. Um, but during that time, I said, I don't know how long this COVID thing is going to last. And I just need to do something reliable, something consistent. And, and so that's where I figured out that wholesaling was that thing. And so I had started doing a little bit of wholesaling on the side. Um, and so I, it started going well, you know, I started off, you know, you do a deal and then, then you do two and then suddenly you're doing two a month and then you're doing three, four a month. And then it's like, all right, this is really working and I'm making more doing this than I was doing that other thing. So I just need to jump full-time into this. And so that's why I decided to do it. And, and then you start, you know, it's a, it's a process. It's just like any other business. It takes time to build a team. It takes time to build the systems and it's not all fun and sexy. It's like, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of spending time in the front of a computer, just like putting together systems and, and your, your CRM and the follow-up process. Like when you don't have a team to support you, like you're doing everything. And then over time you can afford, you know, maybe you hire a VA to, to help with some of the, the day-to-day admin tasks. And then you hire someone to, to help out with uh, your lead generation. And then you have someone help out with, with whatever you need help with, but no matter what, it's always a process. Like you're, you can't just, you're not just going to start up one day and suddenly you're doing 10 deals a month. It just doesn't happen. It's, it's a, it's a build. It, it, it takes time. Right. And if it was get rich quick, more people would be doing it. So while it has a low barrier to entry, you have to treat it like a business. And you know, you did, you, you were by yourself in the, in the beginning, but then you you know, you started building your team. And, and so where is that company? I know you kind of touched on earlier, but where, um, how are you kind of allocating your time now that you're not, you know, in that day-to-day operation as much? Yeah. So now, um, what I'm super honored to, to be able to teach others, um, how to wholesale, not only how to get into it, but then how to grow and, and scale their companies. Um, so, you know, we work with a, a wide variety of, of different um, experience levels, um, but we, we take people and allow them to realize that financial freedom that can be achieved through real estate wholesaling. Um, so we, we're spending um, time there every week teaching our students um, and, you know, launching uh, into a new market with our, our wholesaling business and, um, bringing on new, new team members. Um, so all that right now is keeping me pretty busy. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So you, you do some one-on-one coaching Where can uh, listeners learn about that. If they are excited about wholesaling, but need, maybe they have a full-time job that's demanding and they have some extra cash flow, or maybe they just don't have that, but they still want some extra handholding. Where can they learn more about that? Yeah. So best way uh, to reach me and, and see anything that I'm doing or what I have to offer um, is on Instagram at action Dan bro. And uh, I, I spell it B R O. Cause if I, if I spelled it like my actual last name and, and uh, how it's spelled, then people would just miss it all the time, but it is bro spelled B R A U L T, but it is pronounced bro. So it's not just a thing I put on there. So Instagram at action Dan bro, find out, uh, 
you know, what we're, what we've got going on and reach out to me for help. I love the messages that I get every single day, people reaching out, um, asking for help, seeing how they can make that step forward. Um, those are my favorite messages to get. Yeah. I didn't know about that about your last name. That's a cool last name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, Dan, it's been a pleasure here, but first, before I let you go, um, the next part of the show is called the triple threat. So we ask each guest the same three questions. And the first one is, uh, what is the app or tool that has been the biggest game changer for your wholesaling business? Uh, I'd have to go with our current CRM, uh, which is left main by sales. So it's a Salesforce platform and it is the absolute beast uh, CRM of the industry, taking the industry by storm right now. Huge shout out to Stephanie Betters, uh, the owner and founder of that system. It has completely revolutionized what we're doing. Yeah. CRMs are important, like we talked about earlier. Number two, what has been the biggest learning lesson in the last year? Man, it, I, I gotta say it's about leadership and just you know, my, my strengths and weaknesses and just having to, to work on myself as a leader constantly, because when I'm not clear with my people, when I don't provide clear vision and direction and the reasons of why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing and, and where we're going, if I don't provide that clarity and the culture, then the company just is going to be directionless and the people aren't going to be committed. And it's going to lead to high turnover and low performance. And so as a leader, uh, that, I mean, that's been my biggest, the biggest thing that I've been working on this year is how to be a better leader. Right on. Cool. Question number three, our podcast is all about helping others achieve freedom with real estate investing, whether that's financial lifestyle or otherwise. So what does freedom mean to you? Freedom to me is the ability to choose. And so, you know, I, I love being able to work from home and see my kids every single day. You know, when I just go up to, to grab lunch or grab a drink or something to be able to see them and, and spend time with them and create memories together. So for me, it's, it's the ability to choose when I'm doing what I'm doing, who I'm doing it with. I'm fortunate enough where, you know, I, I own this company. I, I can choose who I hire and who I keep around and who I surround myself with. For me, that's freedom, who I get to spend my time with and, and when I spend my time with them. And, uh, cause the, the people you're around, I mean, that's, that's more important than, than the house you live in or the car you drive or the vacations you go on. Like all that stuff's great, but that stuff doesn't really mean anything without other people. I mean, what, what's a big mansion if you're in it by yourself? Like I'd rather do it with other people. So um, having the ability to choose who I'm spending time with has been uh, one of the, the great things that real estate has given me. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. So, well, Dan, you've been an awesome guest and um, I think almost every great leader has an inspiring backstory from failure to success. And you obviously are one of those. So thanks for sharing your wisdom and knowledge and um, hope you have a good rest of your day. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review and tune in next week for the next episode.